over the last few years in the Crown, uh, we've really felt God speaking to us about um, the Israelites in the desert. And I really felt um, I needed to preach on that. And so we, for a, quite a long time, we worked through the story of Exodus into Deuteronomy, um, just looking at the story about the Israelites coming out of Egypt and going into the Promised Land. There's a 40-year gap where um, someone said... Um, not only did God have to take, take the Israelites out of Egypt, he needed to get Egypt out of the Israelites and make them ready to be his people. So there's 40 years of sanctification in the desert. And I think actually last time I came to preach at Church Central, I, I think I you know, spoke about that. Um, you know, so it's been lingering on. It feels like uh, as a church we've been living through that as well. We've been in a bit of a desert time. Hopefully now we're Cross the Jordan and into the land a little bit more, and but yeah, you know, it's been a, an unusual time really of God just teaching us lots of things, and uh, it's been a tough time actually the last few years as well. Uh, what I want to do today is just tell another story about this time in the land, and um, something I feel God's maybe given me a few things to share with you about. So I want to look at if you've got Bibles, I want to look at a um, story out of Numbers chapter twenty-one verses 4 through to 9. Okay, um, so Numbers 21. The Israelites travelled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake... He lived. Okay. God promised the Israelites that if they walked with him, he would take care of them in the desert. Okay. They, they, uh, the promise was he'd feed them, he'd give them water, he'd t- look after them, their shoes wouldn't wear out for all the time that they were there. Um, just He'd look after them. So although they're walking through a desert where snakes live... This was a really shocking thing. They weren't expecting anyone to be bitten by snakes because they believed, rightly, that they were under God's protection. Okay, now, I'm not an expert on snakes. Um, I'm not, uh, I've never been bitten by one yet. My dad got bitten by a rattlesnake when he was young. I'll tell you that story another time. But um, I'm not really an expert on it. But, I'm, but for these Israelites, you, you can imagine um, that... This is a slow process of being bitten and then dying. It doesn't work straight away. That's not what snake bites are like. So I want to try and do a bit of an imagining here, just to bring the story alive. So get your imagining heads on. I want you to imagine you're standing there, then all of a sudden you see just a movement um, on the ground next to you, a flash, and then you can feel this intense pain in your leg. Okay, you're feeling it? Imagine. <laughs> Uh, okay, and you look down, you can see a snake wriggling away. And you know, because you've seen some of your neighbours get bitten by a snake and die, you know this is really bad. Okay, and within a few minutes, uh, it's, so it's searing, burning pain 
in your ankle. I'll look this up on the internet. Okay? And y- 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 you can feel this hot, burning feeling begin to work its way up your leg. Okay? You're imagining this. Okay? Your pulse starts racing. Okay? Your heartbeat doubles in speed. and get, you know, Your breathing starts to get more shallow. Okay? Your vision starts getting blurred. You can feel and see the poison working its way up your leg. <coughs> Bits of the um, area around where you were bitten start going black as the flesh dies. Okay? And you can feel the poison working its way up your leg. Okay? You can feel a tightness in your chest. You're, sh- you're fighting for breath. Okay? And you know that you're going to die, but it's not going to be fast. Okay? So pain is working its way up your body this poison working its way up, okay? And sooner or later, probably sooner, you're going to not be able to breathe anymore and you're going to die. And you know that's going to happen, okay? There's no other solution. There's no medical help around, okay? There's no, nowhere to turn. Every, you know, people are running around you. They're worried. Your family are worried. They're mopping your brow, but there's nothing else they can do. They don't have the technology to save you Okay, and your, your vision's blurring. You can't focus anymore on them because of the pain, because of the venom working through your system. Okay, and you can feel your heart pumping, pumping, and the pain working its way up into your stomach, starting to get into your stomach, and you know you're going to die. And worse than that, you know this is because of your sin. The first reaction of the Israelites at this point was, we sinned against heaven and against you. Pray for us. They knew that this was an absolute result of their sin. So what they're seeing is the effects of sin working their way up through their body and killing them. The New Testament says sin leads to death, doesn't it? This is a very, very graphic example of that. If every time we sinned, we started feeling this searing pain and burning and our heartbeat going. Maybe some of you do, the more godly ones. But you know, imagine it. We wouldn't want to sin. This is, a, this is a very graphic, in their body, representation of the sin that they've committed, killing them. Okay, it's horrible. It's frightening. It's not immediate, but it's, it's just long enough for them to realize what they've done. Then wonderfully, God gives them a way out. They say, Moses, please pray for us. And um, God speaks to Moses and says, make this snake, put it on a pole, put it in the middle of the camp. This is two million people, so it's a big, big camp. So for some people, you know, th- this would just be a speck in the distance, this little snake. Okay? But anyone who looked at it lived. Okay? You look at this snake on a pole, and straight away you start feeling the effects of the poison working backwards. Your heart rate slows down. The, the pain starts going back down maybe into your leg and, and getting less. You know, the, the chest pains stop. You, you can start to see better. You stop sweating so much. You start feeling the effects of life overcoming the effects of, of sin and death. Okay, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful example in the Bible of God's grace. Okay. Maybe you had been the very person who'd been at the centre of this rebellion. Maybe you'd been the first person to say, Moses, you're rubbish. Why should we follow you? Okay, maybe you'd, you'd said something 
blasphemous against God. Maybe you'd been one of the ringleaders going around saying, come on, uh, we're not going to let him get away with that. He's a rubbish leader. Let's get rid of him. Let's just go back to Egypt. Maybe you were the main ringleader, the most guilty person there. Okay? But even for you, if you look at this little snake in the distance, you, you, you get to live. It's an amazing thing. Someone said about this that actually it didn't matter how guilty you were. Okay? God didn't make any other provisos about this, conditions. If you're not too bad, then you can live. No, anyone, whoever looked at the snake on the pole got to live. Okay? There were lots of other things around the camp that were amazing things. Okay? The, there was the tent of meeting where Moses would go into and as, as he'd pray, a cloud would fall down on the, on the tent and, and people would know that God was speaking to Moses in the middle of this tent because the cloud was there. You could look at that. That's amazing. That's the very presence of God. Okay? All through the time in the desert, there's this amazing pillar of fire that led them. Okay? God brought this pillar of fire. You'd seen this pillar of fire rescue you from the Egyptian army and open up the, the Red Sea for you to walk through. Okay? You could, you know, there's this pillar of fire you could look at any time. Okay? But actually, if you looked at a tent of meeting, if you looked at the pillar of fire, you'd still die. Because they weren't what God had provided for this. What God had provided for snake bites was a, the, a model of a snake on a pole what, and it didn't matter whether you had faith to look you could be someone saying what's the point of looking at that it's just a silly snake on a pole what good will that do didn't matter if you looked you were healed if you didn't look you died if you looked somewhere else with faith you died if you looked with no faith at the snake you lived okay the, the power wasn't in our faith if we were the Israelites the power wasn't in um, you know, anything else. The power was in the snake. It was because that was God's means of grace for the Israelites. Centuries later, Jesus picked up this same story. And he said this in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So Jesus takes this story of the Israelites in the desert, and he says, actually, that story about Moses and the snake, that was pointing towards something bigger. That was, if you like, a type of Christ pointing to something that would come. You know, that, that was showing you something about my mission here. So Jesus took this story and he applied it to himself. He said, no, no, this was actually about me, this story. I want to just look for a few minutes at what this story um, of um, these rites and the snake tells us about Jesus. Okay, there's a few things that I want to mention about this. Firstly, um, Jesus said, in the same way as the snake gets lifted, got lifted up on the pole, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Okay, it's pointing towards his, the, the death that he was going to die. Okay, um, 
uh, later in John 12, Jesus says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to myself. And it says, he, sh- he said this to show them what kind of death he was going to die. That lifting up on a pole, Jesus was going to be lifted up on a cross. So that's, that's the first thing. Okay. Secondly, as I've sort of roughly mentioned already, Jesus was talking about the cross being a means of grace to us. Okay? Whatever we've done, whatever bad stuff we've, whatever sin we've committed, however far away from God we are, however poisoned by sin we've been, we can look to the cross and we get to live because the cross now is, is God's means of grace for us. It doesn't depend on whether we're good enough or not. It doesn't matter whether we, we feel loads of faith when we look at the cross even, dare I say. Okay? What matters is the cross. Okay? That was God's means of grace for us. If we're bitten by sin, if we've got death in our bodies, if, we're, if we know we're infected by sin, if we're covered in shame, if, if we're guilty, that's where to look. And if we look to the cross, we get to live. Okay? The, the sin, the death in our body, starts working in reverse. Okay? God's life God's grace overcomes it and pushes it out and we get to live, whether we deserve to or not. And actually, we don't deserve it. Okay? It's wonderful, isn't it? (coughs) So, they're obvious links. That's why Jesus picked this story and said, this story is about me. And it's, it's a wonderful, clear picture of what the cross is for us. Phil Moore says, um, oh, no, I missed, I've done that bit, sorry. <laughs> Got way ahead of myself. There's so one other thing that um, I think is really important about this, uh, this story, that the fact that Jesus chose this picture of a snake to explain to people what his death was about. Okay? Uh, uh, if you think about it, it's a weird thing to pick as an example of what he was going to do okay what he's saying in effect what Jesus is saying is this picture of a snake on a cross that's to remind you of me okay and that's a bit weird if you think about it because everywhere through throughout the bible except for this bit snakes are bad okay think about this for a minute um in the garden of eden the serpent comes and tempts adam and eve and they they sin And God curses the serpent and says this, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly, you'll eat dust all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, you will strike his heel. Okay, That's not a good picture of a snake, is it? That's God's curse on snakes. Um, later on through the Old Testament, um, there are lots of times when prophets talk about snakes and use snakes as an example. Okay? And it's always about God's enemies. There's Egypt, Babylon, the Philistines. They're all described as snakes. Okay? And then at the end, um, in the book of Revelation, the very end of the Bible... It says this, um, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. 
Okay? Just about everywhere in the whole Bible, snakes are bad. Okay? Um, but Jesus says, no, this picture of a snake, well, that's, that's me, that is. That, that reminds you of me. And it sort of is a weird one, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but it's, it's sort of unusual. Okay? And someone said this, if, if God had said to Moses, what I want you to do is, you know, all, all these snakes around, I want you to get some bread and break it. We think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll see that. Okay, because bread, that sort of symbolizes Jesus. Yeah, we, we get that. We understand that. Or, or if, he'd said, um, if he'd said something else, you know, I, I, want you to, I want you to get a lamb. I want you to shed its blood and pour that out, and, and that will save you. It's sort of thing. Yeah, that, that sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Because, um, you know, lambs, lamb, you know, Jesus, lamb of God, I, I get that. I understand why, what that image is about. But no, this is a snake, which all the way through the Bible represents something bad, evil, under God's curse. And, and that's what Jesus picks as one of the examples of what his death on the cross is about. Okay? And I think that's, it, that's another really important thing about this picture. Okay? Um, most of us will know what a crucifix is. Um, that's a, a statue of Jesus on the cross. Lots of Catholic churches have a crucifix. Okay? And, and the crucifix reminds people that Jesus died for us. Okay? So there's this picture of Jesus dying and the cost that he's paying. It's good for us to remember that. It's good for us not to take our forgiveness lightly and to know there's a cost to it. Okay? So that's why Catholics have crucifixes, these statues of Jesus on the cross. Okay? In Protestant churches, in churches like ours, we don't tend to have crucifixes that much. Okay? Most of us meet in schools, so we don't even have any crosses at all. But, um, but if we've got a cross, it's an empty cross normally, isn't it? Okay? And actually, what, what we would say is, we, the victory of God is, is shown by the fact that the cross is empty. You know, we've got an empty cross, we've got an empty tomb, we've got a spirit-filled church. These are the the images, the marks of God's victory. So that's what we remember. We're not big into crucifixes, really, are we? Maybe some of you are. Um, he's wearing one. But, <laughs> um, but mo- most of us don't do crucifixes that much, but we like empty crosses because they're reminding us, no, this is, a, this is a done job. Jesus did die. He did suffer, but he shouted, it's finished. Okay? And then he rose again on the third day and he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And that's where he is now in glory. He's sent his spirit on the church. We're a spirit-filled church that's going around the globe. Um, Jesus will come again to claim his bride. That's what we're remembering. Not, and we're not stuck on this point of Jesus still hanging on the cross. Okay? We, we like empty crosses, don't we? Yeah? <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's good. I thought maybe you'd become a bit more Catholic under <laughs> Russ and Jonathan's leadership. But <laughs> anyway, um, there's a guy called Chris Hodges, and he said this. I think that God very deliberately did not choose to use an image for his son when he told Moses to lift up the pole in the wilderness and instead chose an image of the enemy. You see, Jesus did not stay on the cross, but all the power of the enemy did. When Jesus hung limp and lifeless, the enemy thought he'd won. 
but in reality, he'd just lost. The prophecies in Genesis had been fulfilled. The serpent had struck his heel, but Jesus had crushed the serpent's head. I like to think that when Moses attached the serpent to the post, one of the nails crushed through his head, a prefiguring of how the serpent would have his head crushed at the cross. So when you consider the cross, don't see a lifeless Jesus hung there. Our Lord is alive. He has won. He has defeated death and is seated at the right hand of God. Instead, see the serpent with his head crushed. The sinful, dying Israelites looked under God's judgment, feeling death in their bodies, looked to the snake and they get to live. Okay. Sinful people now, infected by sin, spiritually dead, look to the cross and we get to live. Okay. Moses made the snake to take away the power of snakes. Jesus became sin to take away the power of sin. Moses nailed the snake to the cross. Okay. God nailed sin to the cross. And it's still there. Okay, it's wonderful, isn't it? Years ago, um, quite a few years ago, um, I was um, an old man came up to me at the end of a meeting, and um, he asked if I'd pray with him. I got talking to him, and I found this old man uh, years ago in in the Second World War, sixty something years ago, had been a soldier, and um, he'd been in a battle. And a German, a very young German soldier had run up towards him and he'd shot him. He shot him in the face and the German soldier died. Since then, for 65 years, this old man had been plagued by this image. He couldn't get this image out of his head. Every time he closed his eyes, he saw this dying German soldier's face. He'd been a man who tried to follow Jesus for years. Okay? He'd been kind of trying to know God for years and years, for si- probably 65 years of his life, but he, he never got there. He never got peace. He never got past this guilt. Every time he clo- he'd pray, but then he'd close his eyes, he'd fall asleep, and he'd dream about this, this face again. Okay, and I prayed with him, and I told him about Jesus nailing sin to the cross. I talked to him about forgiveness. And I saw this 65-year-old guilt roll away from him and get nailed to the cross. And I saw him get free for the first time in 65 years. And it was a great privilege to see that. Okay? It was wonderful. Okay? If we know that, that our sin, our guilt, our shame is nailed to the cross, it sets us free. Okay, we look to that and we get to live. We can feel death and shame and sin leaving our bodies and being replaced by grace and life. It's wonderful. It's so powerful. Fifteen years ago, I was driving home from work. An old man stepped out in front of me in the car. And I hit him and he died. Okay. Whenever I closed my eyes... For a long time after that, I saw this old man's face. Okay? And it, it crippled me. I was just getting ready to come and plant a church. 
Okay, and this absolutely pulled the rug out from under my feet. Okay, and I thought, I'll never get past this in my life. I, I, this is the defining thing in my life. I'll never be able to get the other side of this. This will be a shadow over me for the rest of my life. Okay. But I, uh, and I'm not saying this next bit happened quickly, but as I prayed, as I came to know that my sin, my guilt, my shame was nailed to the cross, I got free. And I can honestly say now, I, I know nothing but God's grace and all that shadow's gone, and I'm free. It's been nailed to the cross. My shame has been replaced by God's grace, and it's wonderful. Over the years, I've had chances to pray with people who've, who've just got stuck in their lives because of guilt, because of shame over different things. I've prayed for people, uh, prayed for a woman who years and years ago had had an abortion, and that had crippled her Christian life ever since. The guilt of that, the shame of it. She'd never got past it. I, I know people who've said hurtful things years and years ago. And the guilt of that has just stopped them. Okay. I know people who've had traumas happen. And it's just stuck, got them stuck in their Christian lives. They've never got past it. So they turn up at church, they look fine. They look happy, they go through the motions, but inside there's this guilt and it just keeps on tripping them up, keeps on tripping them up. I know people who've committed sexual sin and the shame of it and the guilt of it has just choked them every time they've tried to step on with God. It's just stopped them. I know people who've just felt their life took a different turn and they had hoped for one thing from God and it, went, it didn't happen or it went another way. And at that point, resentment or something's got in and they've not been able to shake it off. And it feels like they've been stuck in a spider's web and whenever they get one bit free, another bit gets stuck and they're tangled and they're stuck Okay. I've known a lot of people like that. I've been one of those people. Okay. And I want to tell you the power of knowing that there's a snake representing all your shame, all your guilt, all the death that can get in you. And it, it's actually powerless now. It's been nailed to, to the cross. We can look to the cross and there's a dead snake there and it's got a nail through its head. And that's a real picture. That's a picture Jesus picked to describe what the cross would be like. Okay, that sets us free. Okay, that frees us. And I, I know this is a bit of a heavy thing, forgive me for this, but I just felt as I was praying that I, I should bring these. I know some of these, you know, you've all gone, oh, that's heavy, the last few minutes. I, I really believe that God wants some people here to hear this and to be free, not to be tangled anymore, but to get free from this. Okay, uh, I believe there's freedom for people this morning okay, because Jesus was nailed to the cross, because sin was nailed to the cross, because the snake was nailed to the cross. Jesus isn't there anymore. Our sin is still there. Uh, that snake is still on the cross. It's dead. It's powerless. It, ca- it can't bite us anymore. 
Okay? And actually, whether we feel good enough or not, whether we feel like we've got faith or not, whether we feel covered in guilt or not, we can look to the cross. And it doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. It's his means of grace. And as we look, we can feel the life of God overcoming the death of sin. And it's wonderful. Okay. The Israelites, the good thing about getting bitten by a snake is you can feel it. And then you can, as you're healed, you can feel healing coming. You can say, yeah, my symptoms were better today. You know, they're less today than they were yesterday. I know this anti-venom's working. I know this stuff's working. Okay. With sin, it's a bit more hidden sometimes. It's, it's harder to know. But I really believe God wants to set some people free. I really believe that. Maybe some people, like the old man that I prayed for who'd been in the war, maybe some people have been around church for a long time. You never quite got there. You've sort of been chasing after peace. You've been chasing after forgiveness for a long time. You've never quite got there. I'd love to, or Russ or someone, could pray for you and help you look to the cross. And not because of you, but because of the cross you can be free. You can know that peace of God. You can know your shame being taken away.